Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestoninzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Psychology and selling go hand in hand. When you think about it, in order to help a buyer arrive at a point of decision, they've got to go through a decision-making process. No matter what you do, you can't force them to make a certain decision. And that is why this week's episode is a really cool episode because we're talking to Howard Brown, who is the founder and CEO of Rings DNA. They're an incredible platform that brings in sales intelligence and actually helps sellers really understand and dissect their sales calls. And what makes this episode so interesting is that Howard is a former clinical psychologist. So he brings that psychology to his sales approach and he looks at things a little bit differently. And so there's a lot of learning that you'll get from this particular episode. The other thing I love about this is that Howard is a true entrepreneur. He's a serial entrepreneur that's built some incredible businesses, found a gap in the market, delivered some insane value, and along his journey has also achieved some incredible success. So we're going to get to hear from Howard and talk about his journey and and why we all need to be, you know, using and, and, and thinking a little bit differently when it comes to the sales process. This episode is brought to you by Vidyard, Vidyard. the online video tool for sales professionals. Vidyard makes it easy for sales teams to turn text-based emails into personal video messages and will help you engage with your prospects and create an incredible buying experience for them, which will ultimately help you reach your pipeline and revenue goals. So do yourself a favor, get to vidyard.com, sign up and start using video in your sales process. Another thing I want to cover before we dive deep into today's episode is we've recently launched the Revenue Engine podcast hosted by the incredible Rosalind Santelena. We've had some great guests from the founder of Outreach to the CRO of Sales Loft and there's some incredible guests that Rosalind is engaging with and the conversation is really, really compelling. Um, There's so much value that you'll take away. So take the time to listen to the Revenue Engine podcast Um, because you'll get a lot of value from it. We've also launched another podcast called the Revenue Architect Podcast. That is hosted by Jeff Ignacio. This guy is insane when it comes to RevOps and he brings a different flavor, a, a different level of thought when it comes to selling. And every sales professional trying to be the best they can be, these podcasts will allow you to think a little bit differently. I think a bit wider outside of the conversation flow that we constantly have with our buyers. So, you know, if you're on that journey, um, to be the best you can be, take some time to listen to these podcasts because we are putting this content out there to help you be the very best sales professional you can be. So welcome to the show, Howard. Great to be here, man. Very excited. I'm, I'm excited for a number of reasons. Um, I, you know, talking to somebody that's, um, you know, scaling uh, and building a business in the technology space that's helping sales people be the best they can be, but also because of your interesting background, um, so before we get into today's episode, what are some modern day sales techniques that people should be using to help more customers through the buying process? We'd love to learn a little bit more about you and how you started in the world of sales. Absolutely. And, and again, pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. 
I started in sales really early, and I'm sure you hear that all the time. But uh, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Beverly Hills, California, which you know back in the uh, late '70s, early '80s, was sort of the the mecca of wealth and entertainment. And my father made a decision when I was eight years old to uh, run for city council. And so I literally took a bag and walked door to door and knocked on people's doors and introduced them to my father and told them how wonderful their home was and, and essentially learned to network. And, and boy, talk about an experience of, of meeting other people and breaking out of your shell. Um, it was incredibly valuable. So, so I, I was a door-to-door salesman at eight. <laughs> and it's interesting, right, because your father was looking to become a politician and he was employing some tactics that many sellers have employed over the years to sell their product or service. Yeah, I, I think that he, he introduced me, one, to the idea of a work ethic. Yeah. Early on, you have to work hard. You have to put the, the time and effort in. And then he was really a, a proponent of meeting with people face-to-face. He, he wanted mm-hmm. to be a politician, not because he had some lofty goals for himself. He really wanted to better the city of Beverly Hills. He thought that we had some major challenges as it related to the community, police and fire, and really wanted to improve that. So he took his professional career, which was real estate and and stock market, and then decide to do something for the better good and ran for office. And I was his perfect sidekick. I was the wingman. Fantastic. And did he win? He did. He did Uh win. He went on to be uh, mayor of Beverly Hills. He he served uh, eight years in that position. And uh, we sort of grew up in the spotlight. And for me, I was really, really interested in politics. I was really interested in civic duty. Uh, I went to school uh, for political science, actually. I studied politics. I thought I really wanted to get into it. Uh, I graduated with a degree in in political science. I got a, uh, my first job out of college was as a campaign manager and speech writer. And, uh, you know, off I went. But the funny thing is, that for me, my introduction into sales was not just walking door to door, but the very first job I had, my dad, once I was 15, get a job. You got to pay for yourself. You, you want, you want allowance, you got to go earn it. Mm. And I got it. And I got a job at the biggest clothing store in Beverly Hills, a store called Rudnick's. And it was interesting because what I learned straight away was if somebody was shopping for a suit, that was awesome. Help them with the suit, but make sure they bought a shirt and a tie. Always had to upsell the shirt and the tie. And, uh, you know, you learn some really important lessons on how to create this vision for somebody, a a better version of themselves. So yes, they're trying on the suit, they're trying on, uh, they they may have their typical shirt on, but you offer them a better shirt, you offer them a better tie. They look at themselves and they feel complete. And I think so much about sales is really helping people see a better version of themselves. And that's that's always been important to me. How can I help? Yeah, it's such a, you know, foundational part of sales success, I find it. If, you know, that's really the foundation of what we build our skills upon 
is is having that mindset of we're here to help somebody achieve something better. Um, so I really resonate with with what you're saying. Um, but fast forward, so you 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 worked in you know you got your your first job. Um, fast forward your career, you got your you know went to university, you became a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. Um, so go ahead. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, and then how you transitioned from you know, uh, psychology into, into running your own companies. Absolutely. So I, I did the politics thing for a while. I was a speechwriter, uh, ran campaigns. Um, and quite frankly, I looked in the mirror one day and I felt really disenchanted by what I was doing and who I was becoming. I had always enjoyed doing volunteer work, helping others, um, working in the community. And a buddy of mine was going to school, earning a master's in clinical psych. And he said, hey, you ought to do this at night. I said, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. I like to grow. I always like to learn. Um, ended up going back to university, uh, earning my master's, then my doctorate in clinical psych. I worked with really tough populations, um, early release prisoners, people with dual diagnosis, so mental health disorders as well as addictions. Um, I was really focused on helping people see a better version of themselves because as therapists, people come in with all kinds of problems, all kinds of challenges, and your job is to help them see a different way out, see different opportunities, see how while they are painting a horrific version and picture of their circumstances, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And so I always really enjoyed that one-on-one -on -one bond with individuals, but I also had that business side of myself. And I had leased out a, a, a space where I was subletting out to other therapists and their job was to pay the rent. You see other mm. people, practice therapy, but they had to pay rent and they were having yeah. a really difficult time marketing themselves. And I realized I could help them market themselves because that's what I was. I was a sales guy. I was a marketer at heart. And so yeah. I started a referral service and the referral service was initially a toll-free phone number. We passed out flyers and, and built their practices. But then I started to realize that there's a much bigger issue. This is back in the mid nineties that two thirds of the American public has suffered from a behavioral health condition, an eating disorder, depression, anxiety, yeah. substance abuse, and they did not know where to find help. And the internet was just really kicking off. And I was a programmer as a kid. I really loved, you know, uh, machine learning um, back in the day, literally. And I decided to build a website and I built a website that helped people find the right therapist for their condition. So I had a marketplace issue. I had therapists that were willing to pay me a fee to market their practice. And I had the public who was searching for help mm -hmm. and look, looking for help for behavioral health care issues, there's stigma there, there's yeah. embarrassment. So the internet was a perfect vehicle to connect those two parties. And what I realized was by building small communities, websites, and we had hundreds of them, anxiety.com, depression.com, eatingdisorder.com, creating specific content mm -hmm. for individuals looking for answers to their concerns, we could connect them in that community. We could refer them to people who could be helpful. We could understand what it was they needed and how to help them best. Long story short, we built out a, a worldwide network of sites. We had over a million pages of unique content. We had call wow. centers all over the world. We had um, close to a million people coming through our network of sites on a monthly basis. And 
the company ended up getting bought by the largest behavioral health care company in the world. And my job became to fill 33,000 beds on a daily basis. Wow. That's an incredible story. Well, thank you. It yeah. was quite a journey. And you did that with primarily a view to fix, to help people. That were, you're not, Your primary focus was not to build a company to sell. Your primary focus was, hey, there's, there's a lot of people that need help here. And there's also practitioners that can't actually find those people. So I'll create a, a, a way in which those people can engage in a safe environment. That's right. Because of, you know, the fact, and, and so it's, it's an incredible story. You know, that, that's, I, I really, I, I love that story because, you know, when, when we, still there's a lot of issues today and, and our industry hasn't done itself any favours, but still the sales industry has a lot of trust issues, right? I think there's still some reports that show 60 to 70% of buyers don't trust sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, with that particular story, it just goes to show how important the sales mentality, the sales philosophy is in life in that it, it helps. It can, you know, when done right, when done in a way that's ethical, has integrity behind it with the right mindset, it can have such a powerful impact because you would have helped hundreds of thousands of people through some pretty tough challenges, right? Because the things that you talk about, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, I mean, they're, they're tough things. For anyone that's had any experience with mental illness, they're some pretty challenging things. So you would have helped thousands and thousands of people become a better version of themselves. That's right. That's right. And, and I'll tell you, one thing I also learned early on was when people are looking for help, when people are in the process of reaching out, of finally reaching out, whether it's picking up the phone or filling out a web form, that is the moment of truth. And I'll give you an example. If I, if I am a woman and I'm looking online, I have an eating disorder and I find information and I feel like I'm not alone and I can find that help and I pick up the phone and I call that toll-free number and we route that call to a man, there is a 95% chance that that woman will hang up the phone. You have to understand your audience and you have to understand their needs. A woman with an eating disorder most likely does not want to talk to a man. They don't feel comfortable. And that was one of those aha moments where Mm -hmm. we could use the information, the marketing data that we had to route calls to people who could be most helpful. And that is the connection between campaign information, marketing data, all of this stuff we're collecting on consumers and then providing them with the best resources, the best help so that they can make a buying decision. And that is critical because as salespeople, Mm -hmm. our job is to be helpful, is to help people make that choice. But if our very first action is to route people to someone who isn't the most helpful, if we cannot provide context to that sales rep or agent, we're doing a disservice to the entire buying process. Absolutely. And there's so many things there. There's there's so many. So many things of what you just said, right? Because you're talking about understanding your target target market, really understanding the persona, and then designing a buying experience that caters for that for that persona, That's and right. enables that persona to have the experience that is best for them versus 
for us and using data and intelligence to help make those decisions, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. You got it. That's it, right? That's our job. Use that information for good. Take the, take the experience that we have in selling, understand our target market and benefit them. Use that to, to change their buying experience. We have moved from a product and services uh, company organization uh, economy to one of user experience. If you mm. think about everybody today, they're looking for the best experience. Companies will be made or will be broken by the experience that they can give their buyers and customers. We have to do them a service by providing that experience. How do we do that? We do that by taking the data and utilizing that to help them, to provide them a better experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's even, you know, what you did 20 years ago is relevant more so today when there's such, you know, market, when you look at the amount of products and, and, and choice customers have, they're now probably overwhelmed by the amount of choice that sits in front of them. And if companies and sellers and marketers aren't using that data and thinking about that buying experience and what's going to create a unique buying experience, the reality is buyers won't be choosing us. Um, yeah. So I'd love to know what, you know, fast forward, you, you now run a very successful, um, you know, business. What inspired you to start Ring DNA? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the truth is I, I started another business in between <laughs> And, and that business was helping people find senior living homes. So my grandmother was actually looking for a senior living home and it was incredibly difficult to find the right home for her. Mm -hmm. So again, it was, how do we connect people looking for something to a service that's available out there that's having trouble disseminating the information and finding the right customers. So I started that company, also sold that to a publicly traded company and then really started focusing in on what are the unique needs that businesses have that they seem to not understand how to get over the hump. And that hump is to connect buyers with sellers in a informed way, in a way that can provide for that unique buying experience. And so the genesis of Ring DNA was really connecting the right buyers with the right sellers, much in the same way we had done with the previous companies. Mm. But we also realized that while we were highly focused early on in the marketing efforts that led to leads and people coming in the door, we were very hamstrung um, by the sales process. We flip leads over, we give sales reps some, some context, but, but that was it. We can only go so far. So I looked out there in the market, there were a bunch of tools for this outbound motion, um, mostly insidesales.com, which has changed yeah. their name to Zant, but most of the tools were awful. And I was actually hired by salesforce.com to help them align their sales and marketing efforts as a consultant. And again, saw the same problem. How do we integrate the tool sets, the data to empower sales to offer a better process? And 
Long story short, we had done a, uh, a hackathon at Dreamforce, which is Salesforce big event. Yeah. And we were able to create a distributed call center on an iPad by using a Twilio API yeah. with a Salesforce mobile API and Google AdWords and Google Analytics and create a distributed, a distributed uh, iPad call center. Long story short, we won that. It was 2011. We won 20,000 bucks, which was great. The following year, Salesforce gave away a million dollars. So I was one year early. But we we took that prototype and we, we started talking to sales teams and really understanding that there are two distinct players out there. There's the inbound teams and there are the outbound teams. But how do we bring that together? How do we focus on the entire buying experience? How do we make sure that we can help reps with their outbound sales motion, the inside teams with an inbound motion provide the tools that they need? And how do we connect support services, sales information, marketing information to provide a contextual experience for the sales reps and deliver a better user experience for the buyer? So that was essentially the genesis of Ring DNA. It was creating a sales tool that would leverage marketing data, customer success and support data and sales data, and then create a motion. And by connecting communication tools like voice, email, yeah. and SMS, and then taking that data putting it in Salesforce so that reps didn't have to worry about workflow or entering notes or entering um, tasks into the system. It was automatically done for them. They could focus on what it is they do best, which is connecting with people, selling, talking, um, engaging, asking open-ended questions, finding out what the real pain is rather than just administrative burden and tasks and that sort of thing. It is a continued problem. I mean, I've seen some, you know, stats and, I mean, stats are pointed everywhere, right, but that sellers are spending an average of, what, 30% of their time actually selling. That's right. Um, and a lot of their time is being spent on administrative tasks. I mean, but if you're, if you're a sales professional listening to this podcast and you're going, well, I don't have any control over the platforms my company uses, you know, what are some tips that you can give them on how they can become more productive or more efficient in the way that they manage their day? Well, listen, I, I, one thing I know about salespeople, they are incredibly powerful people within an organization. They can influence change in a big way. So, so don't sit around and, and, and just be uh, passive. Talk to your sales manager, manager, talk to your reps and make sure you have the tool set mm. that's going to help you exceed quota every month and every quarter. You know, one thing that's crystal clear to me is making sure you have tools that will enable you to perform better, making sure you have the proper training and onboarding, making sure that you have a sales leader and and a coach within your organization who will help you be the best version of yourself. It's critical that we are constantly learning. Mm. I am so glad that there are incredible podcasts out here like yours, Luigi. The ability Mm. as a salesperson to get better requires that they put the effort in. And the effort requires listening to great podcasts, reading Mm. books, studying what it is that makes great salespeople great. And if you could put the tools together with the training, the education, and the practice 
that's how you'll be the best you you can be. Yeah, this is a pretty empowering um, conversation, uh, Howard. And it's interesting. My son, he's got a dream, right, that he wants to be a professional footballer around soccer player. And uh, he's had that dream ever since he was, I don't know, three and a half, four years old. And uh, the last, I think, year, I think with this whole pandemic, he was at home for a long period of time. Um, they didn't play soccer all year last year. And uh, he finally got back a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas, they started training. A little bit unfit, you know. Um, he didn't keep up to his re- regime during the pandemic. And he played a game on, um, on Sunday. He was a bit rusty. And he was really down. He was really um, disappointed in himself. And I said to him, you know, it's okay, you know, I, I tried to give him some positive feedback. But then I asked him, I said, what have you done to prepare for the game? Like, did you train during the week? He said, no. I said, so you're expecting an outcome, but you're not, you didn't put in the hard work. To his credit, I do F45, which is a high-intensity training um, session. And uh, he said, can I come with you? I said, great, let's do it. And so, awesome. you know, he's, he's 14, he probably shouldn't be there, but he's 14 and he came with me this week and uh, he's been working his butt off. Um, and I'm proud of him. And I said to him, I said, that's what it's all about. It's, it's you don't win the game on game day. That's right. It's the stuff that you do pre-game. And I tell sellers that all the time, Howard, and that's, a, you know, my listeners will hear me say this until I'm blue in the face, is that preparation is the foundation of success. And if we don't prepare to succeed, we can't expect just to go into a sales call with no preparation, no agenda, no research and think, yeah, I'm going to get the, the outcome that's, that's good for me. Um, and that's what I love hearing about everything that you've spoken about today from that early age. It's preparation. It's get the right mindset. Be prepared to put the work in, that work ethic. I mean, you've had some incredible successes, but I'm sure those successes have come with long nights, challenging days where you've asked yourself, is this right? I mean, tell us a little bit about those challenging times that you've experienced building these businesses. And if you've ever questioned, am I on the right path? Mm-hmm. Well, well, first of all, congratulations to you. I mean, raising a kid is, is no easy task. <laughs> and sounds like you have one that understands the value of work and, and you've done that by example. You, you talk about hard work, you talk about putting in the training um, on your podcast and, and it sounds like your son's taking that in and making it a part of who he is. And, you know, we, we can talk about business all day long, but our real legacy is how we raise our kids. Mm. And I have two 15 year old boys. They both play soccer. Um, you know, some days I, I, I can't believe how little effort they put in. Some days they blow me away. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's what's really important is that we're raising, um, we're raising kids with character. We're, mm. we're, we're hopefully when we build businesses, we're building businesses with character as well. And, and yes, building a business is hard. There's challenges every day, whether it's, your customers, your employees, um, yourself, right? There's always challenges and there's always questions. But if you do something with good intentions, if you set out to achieve something that's better for you and those that uh, surround you, if you if you surround yourself with a team of leaders that you can trust, um, 
it makes every day worthwhile. Yes, every day uh, I wake up and I and I pump myself up. I get excited for what what's happening next. What what challenge um, will I be hit with? One thing I'll tell you as a CEO, I'm constantly putting out fires. I'm constantly challenged. Um, that's what I love. I love that I wake up and I know I'm going to be hit with something that I did not expect. But if I stay calm yeah. and I stay relaxed and I breathe through it and I use the experience that I've had as well as the experience of people I surround myself with. I have great mentors mm -hmm. who have failed all over the place and they've taught me the lesson, which is not easy, that failure is something to be celebrated. Yeah. Fail fast, make the change, recognize it. Because if I beat myself up or I beat my kids up for not doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're not going to remember the lesson. They're going to remember the beating. So it's really important to celebrate those learnings. We are prediction machines. What we do is we, we make mistakes and we learn from it. We see other people make mistakes and we learn from those. That is the whole premise of what we're building at Ring DNA. We are trying to look at every single task, every communication, every process a sales team makes, look at the outcome of that process, test and measure that against the millions of other transactions, communications, and processes that occurred, and see which tasks, which items, which communication points led to the best outcomes. We then take that data and surface it for the reps. Here's what you should do next. And here's how you should do it. We do the same thing for managers or coaches. We surface where they should be focusing their attention to garner the best results. As human beings, that's what we should be doing. We should be focusing on the areas that we will see the best outcome with the, with, with the best results. And so that's mm -hmm. what we try and do. And that's what I try and do every day as a CEO. I make mistakes. I own my mistakes. I learn from my mistakes and I try and be better. And it's not easy, but for me, I'm incredibly passionate about it and I wouldn't want to do anything else. Yeah. I mean, for any seller, anyone listening, any, any sales leader or marketer listening to this podcast, there's just so many, for, for me, I mean, I'm learning a lot. I'm, it's reinforcing for me the importance of, you know, having that mindset. And you're right, beating yourself up. I think the biggest challenge, which is the biggest opportunity in selling, is the fact that we deal with, with no, we deal with rejection. We deal with people that are our friend one day and they ghost us the next. <laughs> and... We can analyze it and go, where did it go wrong? And sometimes, no matter what you do, that happens, right? And it's easy. It's not easy, but you can sometimes um, overanalyze and, and it can bring you down. Um, but that's the opportunity that great sellers have is recognizing that they can't control everyone in the buying process. Well, they can't control anyone really, but they can only control themselves and they can't control the buyers. They can create a great experience. Some will say yes, some will say no, some will ghost you, some will go to your competitors and that's okay, right? We can't beat ourselves up. We can analyze, we can find out where we can improve and we can try to be the best version of ourselves to help that next customer through the buying process. So I've taken an incredible amount of um, insight from this conversation, Howard. So I want to say thanks, but before we kind of um, wrap up, I want to ask you a question. Given the fact that you've had this psychology background, 
and you're also big into science and the data. Is sales an art or a science? <laughs> Chicken or the egg? <laughs> I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's, look, there is, there is an art that we learn through practice. There is the ability to connect with individuals. Yes, sales is hard, no doubt about it. But if you take the perspective that you're there to help, and that you're passionate about what it is you're selling, because I would urge everyone who has a job in sales or anything else, find a company that you can be passionate about the mm. product and the service that you're selling. Because guess what? You're spending a lot of time doing it. Make sure that what you're selling will benefit others and you believe in it. If you don't believe in it, stop selling it. Find something else because at the end of the day, you have to work hard. And that is where the science comes in. There are incredible tools that will look at what you're doing, analyze it like a professional athlete. Look, Kobe Bryant invested in ring DNA. He was all about training, focus, and practice. He was about understanding every single aspect of his game and measuring and analyzing it through science. We're doing the same thing for sales reps. Understand what you're doing. Look at every aspect to improve it. Focus. Your art will improve if you care, if you connect with it. That's my love. That's my love for, for what we're doing. That's why I love sales. That's yeah. why I love helping the buying process. Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it, Howard. And I, and I love this. And this is, you know what, for me, that's a definition of selling. You've just wrapped up the definition of selling and um and that's helping people be the best version of themselves they can be. Um, but yeah. before we wrap up, where can our listeners engage, find out more about you and your company? Absolutely. Uh, how, uh, it's uh, LinkedIn, Howard Brown, uh, ringdna.com. Uh, I'm available, howard.brown at ringdna.com. I love connecting with people. Uh, I'm always learning. So please reach out. Fantastic. Well, Howard, I want to say thanks because I've taken a lot from this episode Thanks for the contribution that you've made um, and you continue to make because Ring DNA serves so many customers and salespeople um, achieve incredible results. So thank you for what you do, mate, and thank you for coming on the Sales IQ podcast. Well, and thank you for being you and running a great podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs>